Thank you, Rabbi Neuberger. I'd like to try this evening to discuss the topic of a woman's avodah Hashem from a non-apologetic perspective. Non-apologetic in the sense that our discussion is not going to be framed by the questions which nowadays all too often do frame such discussions. We're not going to discuss why aren't women obligated in such and such, why can't women put on tefillin, why are women different than men. I'm not saying that these questions don't have their time and place, but when these questions frame the discussion, it doesn't allow us to do justice to the Torah's position regarding a woman's avodah Hashem. What's more, sometimes, sometimes, not always, there's an unspoken premise to such questions as though Torah has to answer when the apologetic approach is, is, is used and is imposed upon such discussions. So sometimes there's an insinuation that Torah has to answer to the standards, to the values of contemporary society, and obviously that's something which we categorically reject. Torah doesn't have to answer to anything, but rather Torah is the measure for everything. So therefore, let's tonight try to approach the topic non-apologetically, and let's frame the question in a positive and a proactive way of what's the Torah's conception of a woman's avodas Hashem. Now, what we're going to discuss tonight are two or three elements, two or three emphases which distinguish a woman's avodas Hashem. But this shouldn't obscure all the fundamental areas and mitzvahs in which there's no difference between a woman's avodas Hashem and a man's avodas Hashem. Specifically, and, and most importantly, basically all what Rabbeinu Bachia terms chovos halvavos, all the basic mitzvahs of Emuna, the Rambam's Yud Gimli Korim, the mitzvahs of Ahavas Hashem, of Yiras Hashem, the mitzvah of Shabbos, somehow or other the differences and divergences between the genders, they get all the press, and the elements which are identical and which converge are, are ignored. So even though we're going to be focusing on those distinguishing elements, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that there is much, much in common, and again, especially Chovos Halvavos. In thinking about distinguishing elements of a woman's Avodos Hashem, so right away I think the first thing that comes to mind is Tzniyus. Again, not that, that Tzniyus is an obligation which men don't share, they, they certainly do share the obligation to read Tzniyus as well, but there's no question that this is something which is accentuated and which is stressed more in context of a woman's Avodah Hashem than a man's Avodah Hashem. If we can understand what, what the Torah's concept of Tznius is, I think it will contribute greatly to our understanding of our topic of a woman's Avodah Hashem. Tznius underlies many halachas, right? Most obviously with regard to dress, 
It also, the, the Rav explains, is what underlies the fact that the Torah disqualifies women from serving as Adam, that this technical disqualification, the Rav said, also has to do with the fact that, that the woman is, is as the Gemara in, in Shavuot quotes the Pasuk of Kol Kvuda Basmelech Prima, that due to the modesty of a woman, she's not to be put in the spotlight of giving edus, and that that's the basis for the Torah's technical disqualification of a woman giving edus. Similarly, ultimately, it's this concern for tznius which underlies the Gemara in, in Megillah's disqualifying a woman from receiving an aliyah, from serving as a balkare. It's interesting to note that considerations of tznius also accord special privileges to women. Specifically, the Rimigash, and then this is quoted by the later Rishonim as well, say that a woman, he speaks of Noshim Yekaros, that, that a woman is not required to come to Besdin. If, if a man has a litigation with someone, so he can't tell Besdin, you send a Shliach Besdin, you send a, a, the court stenographer to me, and I'll tell the court stenographer what my tainas are, what my claims are. No, he has litigation, he has to show up in Besdin, and then he can present his, his claim and his arguments in Besdin. If, uh, when Noshim Yekoros have some matter of litigation, so then the Rimigash says that they're entitled to tell the Besdin, please send a Shliach to us, please send a, a someone who will represent the Besdin, and we'll tell him what our claims are, and then he'll represent that to you, to the Dayanim. So Tzniyas is not, is not limited to those other halachas in terms of dress and, and the like, but it's also something which is responsible for special privilege, which is accorded to women as well. So we generally translate Tzniyas as modesty, and then the translation is an accurate translation. Tzniyas means something hidden. For instance, that's what it means etymologically. So for instance, So, for instance, when the Mishnah Psachim says that after doing B'dikas Chametz, the night of the 14th of Nisan, if you're saving some Chametz to either eat for breakfast in the morning or to burn in the morning, so the Mishnah says, Yani chenu put, it in a, put it in a hidden spot so that you don't have to worry about animals getting into it and then dragging it throughout the house and then you'll have to recheck the house. So clearly, etymologically, that's what the word does mean. It does mean to be covered, to be hidden. That, that's what it means etymologically. But when you look in Chazal, you see that for Chazal, the way they use Tzniyos, they use it in, in, in a sense which is not covered by our term of modesty. There are a few Mishnayos in Seder Zrayim, for instance, the, the Mishnah in Demai talks about a dispute between Beishamai and Beishelel. Beishamai say that when you sell olives, which are going to be pressed and made into oil, that you should only sell this to a chavah. A chavah is someone who in the times of the, the Beis HaMikdash 
had a had an established reputation that he was very meticulous about tumma v'tahara. He was very meticulous not to be matame anything. Even when he was handling chulin, it wasn't necessarily truma that he was handling. It wasn't necessarily uh, something which was meat from korbanos or something. Even if it was plain chulin, a chaver a, a had this reputation that he had earned that, that he would not be matame this. And Beisham, I say that in Eretz Yisrael, we don't even want chulin, we don't even want the regular food consumed on a daily basis to become tomei, and therefore you're not allowed to sell your olives for pressing unless the person is someone who has the reputation of a chavah. And Beisham will say that's not necessary. As long as you can trust him to set aside chumas and maestros, he doesn't have to be trustworthy with regard to being metame. We don't care if he'll be metame. Then the Mishnah concludes, and listen to the punchline. The Mishnah says that Tznuei Beisilel, the people in Beisilel who are Tznuim, Noagim Kebeishamai, that the Tznuim in the, in the academy of Hillel, so they used to be stringent and follow the practice of Beisilel. And there are two other Mishnayas in, in Sedezram as well, which use the term Snuim in the same sense. Nothing to do with what we associate with modesty, but also has to do with stringency and with meticulousness in observance of mitzvahs. And as a matter of fact, the Rambam, if you take a look in these places, in this Mishnah we mentioned is in Demai, and there's another Mishnah in Maishashani, and there's a third Mishnah in Kelaim. All you have to do is stumble upon one of them, and then the Rambam sends you to the others. If you look at any of these three Mishnayas, so the Rambam says in each case that the definition of Tznuim are people who are medaktikim b'mitzvot, who are medaktikim b'isurim. They're meticulous either about their fulfillment of mitzvot or they're meticulous about the, the caution and the care that they have not to violate any isurim, not to violate any prohibitions. So what's that going to do with modesty? How is it that that same term, which we associate, and again, etymologically, correctly, the term tsanua that we associate with modesty, so here we see it being used in a totally, totally different sense. Now there's also a very, very strange, very, very strange passage in, in the Gemara and Brachas. The Gemara and Brachas says that to describe a person as being tsanua, so one could only describe a person as being tsanua if one knows how that person conducts himself in, 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 in the bathroom. That only if one would be, uh, would be privy to such uh, private information could one responsibly and accurately describe the person as being tsanua. Ad kedekach, this is amazing. The Gemara tells a story, I think it's about Rav Nachman that someone someone was giving a eulogy and he was eulogizing the person and he said that this person was a tremendous tsanua and Rav Nachman uh, confronted him after the Hesped and said to him how do you know that he was a tsanua? did you ever follow him into the base into the bathroom and see how he conducted himself in the bathroom so what a seemingly strange strange gemara so what does it mean? so it's quite clear that what underlies all these different usages of Tsanua is that Chazal's understanding of Tsnius is, yes, Tsnius is modesty, but the sense of modesty which a person has, the sense of modesty which is then manifest in, in dress 
and in general in terms of a person conducting himself, herself in a way that doesn't call attention to oneself, that what engenders that sense of modesty is ultimately not modesty vis-a-vis one's fellow man or woman, but ultimately that modesty is vis-a-vis HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why the Gemara says, if you want to know whether a person is Tzanua, you have to know how that person behaves and conducts himself or herself when that person thinks that no one else is watching. Because then, one can really measure, does that person have a sense of modesty before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? As long as I'm in the presence of others, so then you can't judge whether, whether I have tzniyas. You can, you can perhaps come to the conclusion that I don't have tzniyas, but you can't come to the conclusion that I do have tzniyas. Maybe I'm acting modestly, maybe that's being engendered, maybe that sense of modesty is being engendered by my attitude towards my fellow man. Maybe that's what's engendering the sense of modesty. If you want to be able to characterize a person as a genuine sanua, so then it has to be the case that you observe that person under circumstances where to the best of his or her knowledge, no human eye is watching. Only the eye in Roa, Lamala, only HaKadosh Baruch is watching him. That's the ultimate, that's what the ultimate definition of Tzniyas is. And now we understand how the Mishnayas and Seydes Royim are using the term Tzanua as well. Because if Tzanua ultimately, again, it manifests itself as modesty. But the essence of Tzniyas really is, again, this awareness of being in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's present, this constant, this constant, omnipresent awareness of being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if that's what engenders modesty, then we also understand why one would be described as a tzanua because of one's meticulous care and attention to mitzvahs and to isurim. Again, it's the same root. It's the same root. So the essence of tzniyas, again, we know how tzniyas manifests itself. We mentioned some of the halachas in terms of how one dresses. And, and often this can be, I guess, superficially viewed and maybe even experienced. And I guess on a certain level it certainly is true as constraints. And, and they certainly are constraints on one level. But it's so crucial to understand what, in, in, in the understanding of the Torah, what underlies all these parameters and definitions of Tzniyas. All of this is, is a way of, on the one hand, reflecting, manifesting, on the other hand, instilling a constant awareness of being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, the, the, the Rambam has a passage towards the end of, uh, of Maron which the Ramah sees fit to quote verbatim at the beginning of Shulchan Aruch. This is the very first comment of, of the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch. In, in his mind, this sets the tone for all of Shulchan Aruch. So the Ramah writes, Quoting the Rambam, the Rambam elaborates on the Posik in, 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 in Sefer Tehillim, where David Amalek says, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, who Kalgodol Betorah. That David Amalek says that I place HaKadosh Baruch Hu before me. Right? I, I, I concentrate. I, I'm, I'm aware as though I see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyochol, in front of me constantly. And then the Rambam goes on to elaborate how basically this principle is the essence of religious life and the essence of religious behavior is to constantly maintain this awareness because this affects 
and influences and molds everything a person does, everything a person thinks, how a person walks, how a person speaks, everything, everything is affected by that awareness of Shivisi Hashem the Negdi Summit. That's the essence of religious life. The Rambam writes, the Rambam quotes, that how a person, we know that when a person's at home, so we let our defense down, right? And very often people act differently, people act differently at home than they do in public, right? Says the Ramah, if only, quoting the Rambam, if only we would be constantly cognizant of the fact that there is no discrepancy, there is no distinction in public and private, because the ultimate audience, we're always in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it would transform everything, how we speak, how we walk, how we act, everything. So, so this, this Shivisi Hashem Nenekdi Tormid, is the essence of religious life and basically that's what Sneus in all of its manifestations and all of its applications reflects and seeks to instill is this notion of Shivisi Hashem and Egdi Samid. When the Navi Micha seeks to hone in on the major principles of Avodas Hashem, so he says, Hatsneyaleches to be Tzanua with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that that's what the essence of Torah is. Now, another element, another element of um, of a woman's avodas uh, Hashem, which is accentuated again, it's, it's unique to a woman by, by virtue of the extra emphasis and, and stress which is placed upon it. Is certainly in, in the area of Chesed. Certainly on. It's a, the, the level of conventional perspective. So we certainly view a, a woman as being called upon to show a greater degree of self-sacrifice than, than a man is. A woman in, in her role as wife and mother is, is certainly called upon, again, the way we view it, the way we experience it, to show a greater degree of, of self-sacrifice. So what, what's the significance of self-sacrifice in, in, in the scheme of Avodah Hashem? So Reb Chaim Velazhana, the, the, famous, the, the famous disciple, the leading disciple of the Vilna Gaon, so he instructed his son that of all his ksavim, of all his Torah writings, the one which he considered most important and the one that he wanted his son to see to it, uh, that, was, that was published first, was the, the Sefer Nefesh HaChaim. So his son, Rebitzler, who succeeded him as, as head of the Yeshiva in Valozhin, he, he published it after his father's death, and, and he wrote uh, a Hakdom, an introduction to that Sefer. So in that Sefer, he quotes something that his father always used to tell him, and, and, he, and he writes as follows, Ko hoya dvaro elai tamid. This is what my father constantly, constantly used to tell me. A person was not created for himself. 
רק לחוריה לאחריני, but rather to help others. ככל אשר ימצא בכוחו לעשות, to the best of his ability, to the best of his ability. And that's what Rebbe writes, כל הויה דבר אלי תומר. This is what my father constantly, constantly used to tell and, and tell me and, and reinforce this is all there is to, to, to life this is all there is to, 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 to man to a person is he's not, not created for himself but rather to help others So certainly, certainly, the importance of, of self-sacrifice in religious life, in a life of Avodah Hashem, is paramount. But what makes self-sacrifice possible? When a person displays and demonstrates that aptitude for self-sacrifice, so what does it bespeak? So clearly, what it shows is a lack of ego. If someone can put someone else's welfare before one's own, so the only way that's possible is with a total lack of ego. Ego in the, right, in, in the negative sense of the word, not in the sense of healthy self-esteem. But a total lack of ego, again, with all the negative, pejorative associations with, with the, the term ego. And the way a person has a total lack of ego is if he or she is totally devoted to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If a person has healthy self-esteem and yet no ego, so the way that combination is, is made possible is through total devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in fact, that's the essence of Anova. The essence of Anova is that a person is totally devoted to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because he recognizes that we are totally beholden to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and hence a person doesn't have uh, his or her own agenda, but a person's agenda is, as the Mishnah says in Perkei Ovas, that we're supposed to make that what we desire is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants of us. So that total lack of ego, which is the driving force for self-sacrifice, where that comes from, again, is a sense of anova, which again, according to according to the the, the Devara, according to the uh, to the smug, is the most important mida. That the smug was one of the one of the Baleatosos in the I don't know 13th century, I think. And, and he wrote a, a compilation of the 613 mitzvahs. So he, he labored at, at this sefer for years, and uh, finally he finished. Then he describes, this is absolutely fascinating, he writes this in the introduction, and then he repeats it again in one of the mitzvahs. So th- th- this uh, appears in two places in the smag. So he says that upon finishing his sefer, he had a dream. He had a dream. And in the dream, he was told, here you undertook to write a sefer, to compile a list of the 613 mitzvahs and Ikka Chosim and Asefa, the most important mitzvah you forgot. 
And then he was told that he forgot the postdoc to, to enumerate as one of the Tayyag mitzvahs, the postdoc in Parshas Ekev of Aram Levavecha, the Shachachtas Hashem Alakecha. He forgot the prohibition against being haughty, against being arrogant, right? The antithesis of, of Anava, of humility. And that's what he was told in a dream, Min Hashemayim, that you forgot the most important mitzvah and he goes back and he revises his sefer based on that dream and in fact the compilation, the list that we have from the smag of the 613 mitzvahs includes this mitzvah of this, the prohibition against, uh, against, uh, against Gaiva. And then he retells the story, the story which he tells in the Hakdama, so then he retells the story in his listing of that mitzvah. So the, the call, the challenge to sacrifice, to show self-sacrifice, again, is a way of reflecting, is a way of on, on, and simultaneously developing and cultivating what is the most important midah in one's Avodas Hashem, which is anava, which is a sense of no ego, but living solely for what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, to advance what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants and what HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks of us. Now, another perspective on Chesed, well, perhaps before we come to that, but the Vilna Gon has something similar in mind. The Vilna Gon comments on the famous Gemara and Shabbos. The, the Gemara and Shabbos tells the story about the perspective Ger, who comes to first the Shammai and then afterwards the Hillel. And he challenges them as, as follows. He says, Teach me the entire Torah while I'm standing on one foot. So Shammai throws him out. Shammai throws him out. He's a, he's a joker, he's a chotzuf, whatever he is, he throws him out. He comes to Hillel and Hillel tells him, in, tells him an Aramaic paraphrase of Ahaftalarecha and says, Idach Perusha Zilgmor. And the rest is all commentary. Go, go and, and learn. So what, what's going on in this Gemara? The Ger is really being so, so mechutzif. He's making such a mockery of Torah by saying, teach me all of Torah while I'm standing on one foot. And Hillel actually responds and accommodates him. What's going on? So both the Vilna Gon and the Balatanya, right, coming from, uh, ostensibly from different uh, ends of the spectrum, say the, the same the same pshat and, and that is as follows the mission says in Perkeyavos that that there are three pillars which uphold the world there's a pillar of Torah there's a pillar of Avodah and there's a pillar of Gemilas Chasadim so the study of Torah upholds the world Avodah either the Avodah in the Beis HaMikdash or the substitute the equivalent that we have of davening and finally Gemilas Chasadim that these are the three pillars which uphold the world so the Ger comes and says, I want you to simplify that formula even further for me. I want you to tell me, reduce that formula. Instead of telling me three pillars which uphold the world, I want you to reduce that formula even further. So Shammai throws him out. Shammai says, the Mishnah says that there are three pillars that uphold the world. You, you can't reduce it any, any, any further. That's as, as simply as it can be reduced. And yet Hillel responds. Hillel says, you're right. It can be reduced further. It can be reduced to the one pillar 
of Chesed. And that's why Hillel paraphrases Vahafta the Reacha Kamocha. So that's the, the pshat which the Vilnagon and the Balatanya say. But the obvious question is, how can Hillel say that? How can Hillel say that? Vahafta the Reacha Kamocha, Chesed is very nice. Chesed is very important. Yad stresses it very much, but it's not a religion of ethics. It's not only a religion of ethics. There's been Adam la Mokham also. So how can, how can Hillel have, have, have reduced for him in telling him that Chesed, Chesed is, is the pillar. If you want to identify one pillar, not three pillars, it's Chesed. So the answer is that what the Vilna Gon and, and the Balatanya are, are telling us is the same idea that we were just talking about. That in the ability that one has to show kindness to another, the ability one has to sacrifice for another also bespeaks something about one's relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And ultimately, the way one, the, 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 the capacity that one has to sacrifice for another, the, the willingness the willingness to engage in self-sacrifice, ultimately that doesn't only make a statement about one's ethical behavior, but it also makes a statement about one's religious behavior. Because ultimately, again, that lack of ego, which makes possible, which is the driving force behind the self-sacrifice, reflects a total sense of hachna'ah, of submissiveness before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's what Hillel is telling him, you're right, it can be reduced Further, because a person's bein adam lachaveru does reflect something about does reflect his bein adam lamokom as well. And again, all this again is, is the first perspective that we're trying to provide on the significance of the stress upon chesed within a woman's avodas Hashem. There is another perspective as well. And that perspective is reflected in a in a beautiful and and, and Positively remarkable Gemara in Kiddushin. The Gemara in Kiddushin quotes the, the Amor of Yosef, and the Gemara says that when he would hear his mother's footsteps, Kishama kol kare de so Rav Yosef would say, Ekom mekame shchina de Asya, let me get up in the presence of the shchina which is approaching. Right? So that's what he said when he heard his mother's footsteps. So what does that mean? What that means is when a person Genuinely, when a person meets that challenge of, of showering, unstinting, self-sacrificing love upon others, especially upon children, when one rises to that challenge, so one is basically acting as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's shaliach, for showering his love, right? How does HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how does HaKadosh Baruch Hu shower his love upon us? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he gives us parents who nurture us and who take care of us. He gives us teachers who teach us and he gives us friends who care for us. All these people act as, as uh, emissaries, as shluchim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, again, to reflect and to, to bestow upon us his love, and that's what Rav Yosef was saying, that he, he saw in his mother's self-sacrifice for him, he glimpsed in that a, a, a infinitesimal amount of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite love for him. And that's also, again, a perspective to be had on the challenge 
of chesed and, and the emphasis upon chesed that basically one is being called upon to act as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's representative, as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's human go-between in showering his love upon others whom HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves so much. The, the final element which uh, I just wanted to very briefly comment on, I think another association which we all immediately have, something which stands out as a distinguishing feature and element of, of a woman's Avodah Hashem, is certainly in the realm of Tara Samishpacha. Now obviously, when, when, uh, when, when the, the halacha requires, obviously the, the abstinence has to be practiced equally by both husband and wife, yet clearly, clearly it's the, the woman who's the guardian of the family purity and, and sanctity. She's the, the guardian of Taras HaMishpacha. The Rav Zuchan Levacha used to make the following observation. That the Rambam Sefer Mishnah Torah is also known, he gave it the second name as Yad HaChazaka. And in calling it the Yad HaChazaka, so the, the Rambam intended a pun, because uh, Mishnah Torah is subdivided into 14 books. There are Yud Dalet Svarim, hence Yad HaChazaka in Mishnah Torah. Now one of the Yud Dalet Svarim is called Sefer Kedusha, right? The first is Sefer, Mada, and then comes Ahava, and then comes Manim, and then comes Noshim, and then comes Sefer Kedusha. So what is what is Sefer? So Sefer Mada includes Hilchos Yisodei Torah, the fundamental uh, beliefs of of, uh, of uh, Torah, and it includes Hilchos Deus, the correct uh, dispositions a person is supposed to have, and it includes Hilchos Tshuva. And Sefer Avo includes Valochos of Kriyashma and Tefillah and Brachos and Bikas Hamozan and the like. And Zmanim has all the Valochos of Shabbos and Erevin and Yom Tov. And Noshim has all the halachas of Kiddushin and Gerushin and Ksuba and Yibum and Chalitza. And then, and then, when the Ramam gets the Sefer Kedusha, so what does Sefer Kedusha have? So Sefer Kedusha A begins with Hilchos Yisurei Bia, prohibited marriages, prohibited relations, and then it proceeds to Hilchos Macholos Asuras. Forbidden foods, foods that we're not allowed to eat, and it also has Hilchos Shechita, the halachas of Shechita. So it says the Rav, because the, the essence of Kedusha is in the most mundane, right? In the, in, in the area of life which is most physical, that's where the Torah says that Kedusha has to be manifest. The Rav had a similar comment. This is actually, I think, in the, uh, the Askol Chumash, that they quote this from the Rav, that uh, the Pasuk says in, in Pasha's Yisrael, Vayihimi mochavas vayeshev Moshe lishbot esoam. It was on the morrow, it was on the following day, Moshe sat to judge the people. So vayihimi mochavas on the morrow of what? The morrow of which day? So it's the morrow of Yom Kippurim, right? It's after the third of the forty days that Moshe Rabbeinu spent in Hasinai. So Moshe Rabbeinu came down, so we would have expected Moshe Rabbeinu came down. He, he had reached the, the highest level of Kedusha, and he had finally, finally attained for us forgiveness for the, for the Egel. So we would have thought Moshe Rabbeinu should come down, and Moshe Rabbeinu should, should be preoccupied with the, the, most, the most lofty spiritual matters. He should come down, and he should say a shir for five hours, and what does the Torah say? Vayihimi machos, vayeshev Moshe lishpat asa'om. He was adjudicating disputes. He owes me fifty dollars. He doesn't owe me fifty dollars. He broke my window. He didn't break my window. 
Because Torah has to be implemented in mundane life. Without that, there's no Kedusha. So the Rav had a similar, not exactly the same obviously, the Rav had a similar, a similar observation about which sets of halachos comprise the book of Kedusha within the Rambam's Yara Chazaka, that it's Hilchos Yisurei Biyah, it's Hilchos Macholos Hasuras, and it's Hilchos Shechita, because it's in the areas of Yisurei Biyah, of forbidden relations, and in the area of, of eating, where Kedusha has to be manifest. So when the, when the Halacha, when the Torah ultimately entrusts and uh, empowers a woman as a guardian of Taras HaMeshpacha, of Kedusha. So basically, again, Kedusha is, the, the, the Rambam explains that, that if you look in his minion of Taryag Mitzvahs, so the Rambam doesn't have a mitzvah of Kedoshim Tiyu, even though that's an imperative, right? Kedoshim Tiyu, you have to be holy. So why doesn't the Rambam count it? So the Rambam in his introduction to his Sefer Mitzvahs, he tells us what the guidelines are, what the rules are that he formulated in, in deciding which mitzvahs should be included in the list of Tayyag. And one of the rules is that if the mitzvah is an all-encompassing mitzvah, if it's, if it's the overarching goal to which everything is geared and to which everything in Torah is oriented, so then it's not listed. Because the 613 are 613 distinct, separate, individual mitzvahs. If you have a mitzvah to which everything is geared, to which, which is the goal of everything, which is the goal of all other mitzvahs, so then that's not an individual mitzvah, that's a, that's a catch-all, that, that encompasses everything. And the Raman says, and for example, that's why you won't find in my list of tayag the mitzvah of, of being kodosh, the mitzvah of sanctifying oneself, because that's the goal of everything, that's the goal of all our religious life, that's the goal of all our spiritual life. And hence, hence it, it, it says volumes, again, about the importance, again, of, of the fact that, that a woman is, is given the, again, responsibility and privilege as being guardian of Taras HaMeshpacha, which is the, the essence of Kedusha. And again, it's, it's not coincidental, right, that alongside when we speak uh, about the, the three, when the Mishnah in Bamem Adlikin speaks about the three special mitzvahs which are entrusted to a, a woman, Hafrash Chala as well, that represents the other half of, of Sefer Kedusha in terms of ensuring, again, that the other half of the physical realm in terms of food and, and drink is also sanctified, that these mitzvahs are entrusted to women, again, also explains that, in, that the focus, the focus within the woman's Avodah Hashem is Kedusha. So I, I, I hope that these, that this understanding of how Tzniyas ultimately is intended to reflect and instill a sense of Shivisi Hashem and Egdi Somid, how Chesed and, and sacrificing for others, be it husband, be it children, be it others, that, that sacrifice, that, that chesed, again, bespeaks anova, the most important midah. That chesed means that one is acting as the shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bestow his love on others. And finally, the area of Taras HaMeshpacha, which means that Kedusha, which is the, the goal of all religious and all spiritual life, 
that Taras HaMishpacha, that Kedusha, the woman is entrusted with, with that task. Good to you, Axel.